You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman, as always, one of the hosts of this wonderful podcast. On today's episode, as part of the Locked On Pacers Center Week, I am going to dive in to the Miles Turner, DeMontis Sabonis, two-center pairing, give you the good, the bad, the stats, and I think I'll finish the podcast out with my take on what I think should happen this offseason and just my hot take of the past, let's call it three seasons. These guys have played together, um, at least two as being full-time starters next, next to each other. The pairing starts off uh, this season with a subpar rating, net rating that is. Uh, Turner and Sabonis played a total of 1,058 minutes, uh, averaging offensive rating of 106.4 and defensive rating of 108.7, which is a minus 2.3 net rating. Both those are below the team's uh, offensive rating and defensive rating, so they were a slightly better defensive pair than the team as a whole, but a much worse offense pair as a whole than the team average. This compares to the year before, 2019-20, where the two played around the same amount of minutes, 1,069. They had a 105.7 offensive rating and a 103.6 defensive rating for a positive 2.1. The team that season had 110 offensive rating and 108 defensive rating, so still below the team's overall ratings, but more importantly, net rating was basically on pace for the with the team, which showed the team this lineup was about as good as the team was, right? It versus this last year it showed that it was actually part of the reason that the team is being dragged down. Um this year, the previous year it was probably like maybe the reason the team succeeded. I don't know if I go that far, but not a detriment to the team. Now, a lot of factors played in that, right? So both those guys here go play a ton of minutes with TJ Warren, who is by far the, the Pacers' best net rating player in 2019-20. You look at like all the two-man lineups, almost all of them of the starters start with the best one, start with TJ Warren. The other part of that is Sabonis uh, in general. In turn, played less total minutes in terms of on the court of what minutes they played. So they ended up playing the same amount of minutes, obviously, this season, but instead of playing like starting minutes together a lot or you know they were staggered at a different rate which meant that like they probably overlapped because they overlapped it's it looks like in 45 games two seasons ago versus last year they over or, i'm sorry two seasons ago they were up in 54 games last season 45 games so there's their minutes were more spread out right they ended up they ended up playing probably um more minutes against starting lineups this past season than they did in previous seasons which meant they were getting a tougher competition which means you know they were to do a little worse so um what made the pairing so successful two seasons ago was was that staggering was the fact you could throw Sabonis with the bench unit and it was very successful and you could stagger it so Turner could be with the four other starters which also is a pretty decent decent lineup because of his rim protection and somewhat ability to stretch the floor when you know a pretty successful lineup for the Pacers two seasons ago was Brogdon Warren um Turner Trying to think, was it Lamb they threw out there in some lineups? Um, and then one of McDermott and Justin Holiday. That was always a pretty successful lineup for the Pacers. Um, but Lamb Lamb also had a much better year two seasons ago than he did last season. He wasn't hurt. Uh, he was hurt for part of it. So a lot of factors kind of played in into that, of course. Then you, then you had some of Vic, obviously, when he hit the bubble. And you, had, you know, you had uh, Simonson playing the bubble, so you had, you know, Turner playing a lot more minutes with the 
you know, Pacers made a pretty good run in the bubble, and they went like six and two or five and three in the bubble. Pretty good record for them in there. Um, so yeah, those are kind of the beginning stats. The more the the deeper stats in this pairing that actually I think factor in more is some of the distance traveled. So Sabonis was the fourth ranked player in the NBA in distance traveled, averaging two point seven miles per game traveled. Uh, by comparison, just like last season, for example, uh, Miles Turner had two point three miles traveled per game when he played. Uh, somebody who played, I guess, you know, somebody played similar minutes as in Brogdon at 2.56. Sabonis was tracking a ton of, um, was moving a ton on the court, tracking a lot of distance because of his defense on the defensive end. He had to play some of the four at times and, and then he was chasing out shooters, meant he was moving around with kind of these stretch fours around the court in a way that Turner, who was very stationary in the defensive end and even on the offensive end, Turner was not as, not as movement heavy, right? A lot of it was, Turner was either planted in the paint, moving slightly out of the paint to, to, to you know, redirect um, shots in the defensive end, or sitting in the corner and slightly shifting around the perimeter for three-point shots and the occasional um, drive, where Sabonis was in literally every action on the defensive end, uh, on the offensive end, and then putting a lot of action on, on the defensive end. Two seasons ago, Sabonis traveled 2.53 mile, miles per game when Turner did 2.1, for example. So, there, you know, a difference of basically, my, uh, you know, 0.2 two miles per game less for each player, which over, you know, a season is, well, they both played about 60 games. Two seasons ago, they both played about 50 to 55 this past season. Samoas might have got to more. Samoas could play 62 this year. Turner played 47. But they both played 62 two years ago, so if you think about just over that 60-game span, uh, traveling 0.2 more miles per game is about a total of 12 miles. It taxes on your body over time. I mean, that's that's not... It's not significant, maybe in each each micro moment, but as it adds up, it becomes a significant factor. Part of that was the Pacers' pace. The Pacers play at a lot uh, faster speed to, or this year than they did two years ago. And it just you know coaching style changes, right? When you had you know uh, Bjorkren sort of wanted the team to constantly be going in the offense, letting Sabonis initiate a lot of offense, which picked up the pace. Two years ago, Sabonis really played more as a as an off-ball guy where he would occasionally get the ball, but it was a lot more of um, using him in actions, right? Screen and rolls, off-ball screens, pick and pops, dribble handoffs. That was Spomus really three or three years ago, four years ago, and that great season with Vic was a dribble handoff between Spomus and Vic. But uh, Spomus really didn't develop into, like, the kind of point center until this last season. Now, part of that was by design. They wanted him to be a point center more because it was successful or they thought it could be. It kind of had a mixed bag this year. Sabonis ended up with a two to one assist to turnover ratio, um, which was actually about the same the year before. But obviously, he he had a much higher usage rate. So if you look at Sabonis' usage rate over the two seasons, um, pull it up real fast if I will load on advance. Uh, he looked at a usage rate of about 22, 23 two years ago. Last year, it was like more like twenty four. Uh, he was at a much higher assist percentage. You know, twenty eight percent of his passes or uh, possessions were, were assists uh, or led to an assist. Versus, um, or twenty eight percent of possessions on the floor were assisted by him versus twenty two percent the year before. Uh, and defensively, you saw this year um, with Turner, they really kept him much more planted in the paint than previous years. Uh, they had sort of tried to mix match uh, Sabonis and Turner. I mean, that's, Turner was still a pretty you know prolific shot blocker in twenty nineteen twenty, but not as much as he was this past season. They really focused on the defense being all about. For you know, primitive guys playing up and then forcing the the guards and other forwards into Turner. Where before, I think in 2020, the biggest improvement Turner made was he was a decent perimeter defender, and he, he kind of like I think I remember 2020 he had a great 
um, stop against uh, Booker in a, an important game against the Suns in the regular season. Like Turner just was a little more developed as uh, was like was using that skill set a little more because they weren't playing as they were playing a different kind of defense in 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 a way. And frankly, the Bjorkman defense and offense, um, while they were really it was interesting. The offense was tailored to Sabonis and the defense was tailored to Turner, which is just interesting because it and then that I think that had the effect of sort of having like a net negative effect on the team versus instead two seasons ago really they weren't necessarily built as much around either player individually defense was still built around turner a decent amount 2019-20 but the offense was like built kind of with sabonis instead of around him where he was it was more of like a sabonis with name x other player offense than just like sabonis is the hub of the offense like he was this past season um i do think the pacers destiny is in sabonis being the hub of the offense so not necessarily a wrong move this year, but it certainly was a lot of growing pains. And so that's what I'm going to talk about next, just the growing pains of this year, where they both succeeded and didn't succeed, uh, and where they need to go uh, to work together in, in the future if they remain a, remain a pair. But first, today's Locked On Pacers podcast is brought to you by Michelob Ultra and our Ultra Moment of the Week. And I think that Ultra Moment of the Week has to go to Kevin Durant. Michael Ultra believes that it's that you know you don't just play the game to win, but enjoyment is part of the game. And Kevin Durant was certainly enjoying himself in uh, the Brooklyn Nets Game Five victory over the Bucks. You saw the moment where K- KD nailed a 25 foot three point shot and just made the face kind of excitement. And he's enjoying it like you can enjoy the Michael Ultra, which is 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Michael Ultra believes that. Enjoyment isn't the end of the game. It is the whole game. Enjoy Michelob Ultra today. 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. It's only worth it if you can enjoy it. So in the past, I have said for the Tabonis Turner pairing to work, you have to run a modified 4-5. That meant on the offensive end, you had to run Sabonis at the 5, Turner at the 4, stretching, you know, stretching the floor. On the defensive end, you do the opposite, where you're in Turner as the kind of center rim protector and Sabonis as the perimeter defender. I don't know if that's tenable or workable anymore. So the past two seasons, Sabonis and Turner basically played the same amount of minutes at, you know, or percentage of their minutes at each position, right? So Sabonis played 50-50 in each season. It's half at small, half a power forward, half at center. Well, Turner played 100% of minutes at center in both seasons. Makes sense, what it seems like with, with, with the eye test. Um, although Sabonis' minutes at center were much more effective last season than they were this season. Uh, some of that I think has to do with just like I said, he's playing with, last year. He played with the bench lineups, and that was a really successful lineup for the Pacers because they had a really good bench when they were 100% healthy. They had a very, you know, like it's amazing. Justin Holiday and Doug McDermott and McConnell are really good players, not necessarily great starters, but when they're playing 20 to 25 minutes a game, they're the perfect roles and able to succeed and grow. And you put them around Galaxy Bonus, who's a you know, above average passer for a position, a much, you know, a, a definitely kind of borderline elite level offensive player position and a really good just all around, you know, has a lot of vision for a center. It works out, shockingly enough. Where this season, of course, they didn't have that health some of them did it two seasons ago, which is certainly a, a big factor in why the pairing probably worked years ago and didn't work this past season. But I think for them to work going forward, you, you got to give up a little less on the defensive end. You have to figure out how to get Sabonis a little more at the center spot. I know it's difficult because I do think Turner is a decent perimeter defender. I mean, that, that, that's the thing. Is Turner is just an overall good good defensive player, right? He is a very, very good rim protector who can get you three-plus blocks per game. But he also can guard you out on switches. And that's why he's kind of valuable, I think, on, on an even, like, 
honestly, better team that's playing in the playoffs. He's one of the few centers in this league who I think can switch on to other teams' um, best players and hold his own. Now, he sure will get beat sometimes. Anybody trying to guard, let's say, the Devin Bookers, the Kawhis, the Giannis's, the Kevin Durant will get beat. But I do think Turner has the ability where, like, you can't run him in pick and roll every single time to exploit him, like other teams do with other team centers at times that aren't aren't as good as Turner. And so his that skill set is is a valuable skill set, but it's not as valuable to a team that's not competing. Because to win regular season games, ultimately, you have to be able to uh, maximize your strengths more than and minimize your weaknesses into a way that's different in the playoffs where you're where you're playing matchups and playing edge game, like right? you're kind of playing on the margins. In, in a playoff series because you're kind of competitive or listen you're just trying to take advantage of what another team um basically can't like doesn't understand because they don't get enough coaching or enough time to prep for right so like Turner's defense is so good and season partially is because teams don't really prep 99 to not not attack him where in a playoff series you may you might just decide after like game one get beat by him we're just not going at him anymore we'll figure out how to pull him from the rim constantly right and that's that's the success where the same thing for Sabonis on the offensive end where you might not um blitz Sabonis when he brings up the ball uh, in the regular season, but in the postseason, after a game or two, you probably start trying to attack him as he brings up the ball because he's not like the most secure ball handler. Um, and so, the Pacers, the problem is, is if you have Sabonis dragging around and running all over the court on the defensive end, it, it does hurt his offense. And you know, he's a very, you know, he's young right now. He's got a lot of energy and is very willing to play 36 plus minutes and with an ungodly usage and, and miles traveled. But ultimately, that's going to hurt Sabonis' offensive end when you want to minimize the defensive presence. And focus all his energy on the offensive end. You see this a lot with like really great offensive players, like the guards, whether it's Steph Curry or Lillard or even Jokic, right? You don't want to overtax them on the defensive end because you want them to be fully energized on the offensive end. And the same thing goes for Turner's defensive skills, right? You don't want to overuse an offense because you want him to still be the great defender. Well, they kind of do that, right? Turner is minimized on offense, you know, very little offensive action. Uh, if you look at his usage rate, which is sort of right, usage rate really only tracks um, offense, not really a a defensive tracking measure. But Turner's usage rate is was 16% this year, 17 a year year before, 20 in the previous two seasons. So he's been trending down and just not getting the ball to offense. And you see, it's partially why his defense has been so good because he's basically had to like that's how he has to earn his minutes on the court. Now for the pair to work offensively, Turner's got to shoot instead of. 33% or 34% from three. He's got to shoot 38% that he did, did in 2018-19. Um, can he do that? I don't know. I mean, he has yet to put up more than one season above 36% from three. Certainly, if would it be surprising if he shot 38% next year? No. Should he be taking, you know, let's say, set of four and a half threes a game, six a game? Sure. I mean, I that's part of it. I think... The one thing you would say if you brought in another coach is you just have Turner shoot way more threes and not even try to sniff the rim. But also, I think that sometimes you don't want him to be standing because he does have a, a little ability to put the ball on the floor and get to the rim, right? So he shot, like this season, he shot incredibly well from two. Best he's ever done. He shot 60% from two-point range, which is like a career high for him. Um, I think part of it is because they let they kind of let him have the offensive range a little bit more. Um, and he, you know, Turner had a fantastic season. If you look all around, I mean, his his... His net rating was one of the top on the Pacers. Um, he was like one of the few guys to be positive when he's on the court for the Pacers. He honestly just wasn't able to stay healthy and play enough minutes. Does this team make the playoffs if Turner is healthy, healthy for 60 games? Maybe. But also, I mean, case Turner hasn't really been healthy for a full season since basically his second season in the league. Right? He, he's missed he missed 17 games in 2017-18. He missed 8 in 18-19. He missed 10 last year, and he missed 25 this year. Right? So he hasn't been, he hasn't been able to play 
more than what's 80%, 90% of games a year, right? He just isn't like healthy night in, night out. And, you know, every couple of years he has these like injuries that definitely put him out for a decent amount of time. And that's what that hand injury does. I mean, he, I know it, it cost him some version of a hand injury cost him games earlier in the season. And then obviously he missed like the last 20 with uh, the, the broken, was it, what bone? It was some weird bone in his hand. Now I'm trying to remember what the exact bone was, but uh, it was certainly not uh, not good for the Pacers. Um, his injury definitely set a team back that was already kind of falling, free falling, and it just kind of was kind. Of, I think the uh, the nail in the coffin, so to speak, for them on on that season. Um. Now the question I I I, I keep asking myself is, can it ever work? And that's a tougher one because I, I do think both players individually are good. The question is though, are they max? Are the Pacers maximizing their value at the four and five with them together? And I think the answer is no. And I want to explain that next. But first, today's Locked On Pacers podcast is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer using the only brand the warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using rockauto.com. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? For example, Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from a chain store, but $216 on rockauto.com. The Rock Auto prices are always reliably low for every customer. They have everything you need, all kinds of everything from brake parts to tailings and motor oil and even new carpets. So go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto parts need. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in the how to hear this box they know that we sent you. Main selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. And today's Locked On Pacers podcast is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag, the fast and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The baseball season is full swing, and we are in the heart of the NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. You can track and you can track all that action on BetOnline.ag. The latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the Big Four and UFC and MMA. So before the next pitch or the next basket, head over to BetOnline on your laptop, mobile device, and check out all the great news. Sign up bonuses, kind of information. Don't sit in silence anymore. As there, this is your chance to get in the game as teams prep for their playoff runs or prep for their championship runs, more like it. Head over to the website today or use a mobile device, and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code Locked On. That's L O C K E D O N for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Go to BetOnline.ag right now to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline.ag, your online sports book experts. I do not think the Sabonis-Turner pairing can last another season. I want it to. I want it to work. I think both players are really good players. I think they're both fun to watch. I think in their own, they are uh, definitely each, you know, have elite level skills at, 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 at the center spot. But at the end of the day, you can only play two centers. I think Turner can be an elite defensive player, could be an all-defensive all type player, even a defensive player of the year someday. But I don't think he can do that next play next to Sabonis. I don't think he can do that on the Pacers, frankly. I think he's got to go somewhere where they let him be the only center, let him shoot a bunch of threes, and then tell him to protect the hell out of the rim and let him, you know, play in big games and switch on the other guys. Switch on switch on to guards, switch on to forwards, and, and, and showcase the fact that he can guard basically a one through five uh, on any time on the floor. The Pacers are not going to be able to ever do that. 
And I think the Pacers, Sabonis is their best chance at reaching superstardom. Sabonis is on track. He improves every single season. He jumps points up every single year. Gets a little better at something every single year um, on the offensive end. And he has a chance to be an elite-level offensive player, which in the NBA today is more valuable than an elite-level defensive player, unfortunately. Look at the league. Defensive ratings are shooting up. Offensive ratings are shooting up at the same time. If you have a good offensive player, you have a better shot at winning than if you have a good defensive player. Yes, in the playoffs, that could change for sure, right? I mean, I, I guess the Jazz are probably the right now, you know, a pretty solid bet but because they have a great defensive player. But the Suns, who I don't think have a great defensive player, have a really good shot because they're just really deep. And that's also part of, you know, there's more than just being good at defense, but there's depth in, in being able to absorb injuries and all that kind of stuff. I mean, right now in the East, we could see an Atlanta team make the conference finals against the Nets. Neither team has played any defense this season, frankly. So offense is more valuable. And honestly, if you look at Sabonis' stats right now, and you just pop him next to Nikolai Jokic, he had the same thing Jokic had two seasons ago. Now, can he make that leap Jokic made? Who knows with Sabonis? I mean, he might be able to. I, I I wouldn't put it past him, but I wouldn't bet on it. That's the thing, too. But even at his current level, if Sabonis just becomes a 22-point-a-game scorer, that's really solid. If Sabonis just becomes a 35% three-point shooter instead of 32, if he becomes a 80% free throw shooter instead of 73, all things that are doable this offseason, he becomes a better player and inches a bit closer to the offensive elite right? If Turner, if Sabonis, sorry, can go from being 6.7 assists to set to seven solid assists and go from 3.4 turnovers to more like two, he also becomes a much more efficient, you know, point center at times. And I think he's got that ability. He's young. He continues to grow every single year. And he's got the chance to be an elite level offensive player in this league where Turner, I think we know what he can do. He's a great player. He is definitely lived up to every expectation of that number 11 pick. Yes, he has not lived up to Larry Bird's Best player in the league, putting that quote's expectation, but he's been a fantastic, valuable asset for the Pacers. But at the end of the day, he makes $18 million, and the Pacers are better off spending $18 million somewhere else so they can make the move. The reason they try to trade for Hayward, if you look around the league right now, guys who make $18 million, Jeremy Grant, Bojan Bogdanovich, players like that. Now, one of the players Pacers could have had for sure in Bojan. Jimmy Grant, they probably couldn't have got, but that's what you can get for that value. You know, if you don't have Turner, you could spend $18 million on a true three or four to play in a lineup, basically a, a consistent from one to five of Brogdon, Levert, Warren, X player, and Sabonis. And that would be a really good unit. I think last season, as we saw in the playoffs, or two seasons ago, sorry, we saw in the bubble playoffs, the Pacers need to be playing four guys surrounding a center. It works well for the offense. The offense runs so much smoother. It can play so much faster. It can play better, but it needs also a center who is part of that offense where the thing limiting the Pacers in that bubble run was the fact they didn't have a center who could sort of unclog the offense up when teams swarmed at the guards, right? The Pacers had to run a figure eight offense when they were running basically Turner as a lone center, where if you have Sabonis, you just run pick and roll and pick and roll and off ball screens, Sabonis just opens up all this stuff and then you run him at the center and you run all this other stuff around him and it, it just works out. And that's, and that's what they have to do because they, they're going to need an elite-level offense to compete, and that's why Sabonis is, the, is probably the player to pick. Now, do I have a perfect scenario for trading Turner? No, I don't, and that's part of the problem. Is Sometimes, because you've seen it kind of work seasons ago, maybe you just run it back and hope you can, again, you can win you know, 48, 50 games in a normal regular season with a better coach, and that's certainly a possibility. But if there is a chance to move on Turner for a player of equal or even maybe slightly less but close value, I think you have to do it because what that does is – what you gain, even if the player is slightly worse than Turner, on the ability to stretch the team out, on the ability to play like a more traditional offense, a more traditional defense, is worth is worth it, even if it's a slightly worse player on a, on like a one-on-one matchup. 
Um, and that's what teams, I think, are seeing out there in the NBA. And that's why I'm afraid there isn't a great Turner trade because teams know the Pacers need to trade one and they're not going to just, like, you know, be friendly about it. They're going to try to take advantage of the situation. But maybe there's a move out there. I don't know if there's a move with the Pelicans, a move with the Hornets. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I mean, you know, could you make a move with – you probably couldn't do it with a team like Portland. But, like, that's what I'm saying. Is there? It, we're probably not seeing it right now. But hopefully there is some kind of move out there for the Pacers to make for the four. And honestly, the move might be Trey Turner for two role players and then playing Brissett at the four. I mean, we saw Brissett look pretty solid at the four this year. I'd love to see him in, with the starters and see how that worked and as he develops. But you then you, then you add two bench players, right? I mean, at the point right now is like, would you rather keep Turner or would you rather keep McConnell and McDermott and then play whatever you have without Turner last year? Now, I don't know. I think it's close. I, I might rather have Turner than McConnell and both McDermott, but if that's what it comes down to, I there it's tougher than I, than I would think, you know, trading basically a starter for two bench players. But they like what it, that's what it could come down to because the pitcher are not going to pay the tax. So that's eighteen million dollars that you know that they have guaranteed to an undertaxed player that they need to figure out how to spend more efficiently than on two centers. And that's that's what I think. I mean, I I just it it pains me to say it because I really like Turner. So it, it pains me to say that he that I think he should pick the bonus, but I think they should because the offense. At the end of the day, but we'll see what they do. I mean, I I don't have a uh, a uh, magic glass ball that tells me the future. Maybe one of the players will ask out anyway, so it won't matter. Um, maybe something else will factor into this some which way that I'm not seeing. But um, I think the pairing, what it showed this year, its limitations. What it showed is that both players individually are really really good, but together they just don't maximize each other, and that's and that's a shame. And and it doesn't work, you need, you need to clear one out. And I think truly Sabonis is the, has the potential at least to be a next-level player where Turner is probably stuck at being a top 50, top 60 player, which is nothing to be ashamed of. That's a great place to be at, but uh, you just can't have two centers in the NBA nowadays. I mean, you just, your team cannot succeed with two centers making $18 million. Frankly, you can, you can barely survive the center making 30, one center making $36 million. I mean, it has to be Embiid and Gobert basically do that uh, if it's not those two i'm not sure you can win an every change with the center making that much money i guess davis does but davis is kind of a force who the heck knows um if he really plays center but it's hard in this league to win with it with a center being your most valuable spot outside of i guess i should say Jokic as well right there's basically three three centers that can do that right now uh, if you don't count davis so it's Jokic, Embiid, and gobert but yeah i think the the, the turbonus pairing has lived its useful life and it's time to move on so that's my hot take on this pairing uh, as always, we will bring you the Locked On Pacers podcast five days a week. Tomorrow, Tony will finish out our center week with a Goga Biataz Day. I think I said the name right. I hope I did. I probably didn't. Um, player review. We already did Turner's bonus earlier this week. Then we'll return next week with a weekly show, maybe some more coaching news. Uh, hopefully, we'll have some candidates, maybe a list of candidates, and then we'll do some more player reviews and just kind of keep touching on the coaching stuff as the Pacers at some point, I'll pick their next next coach. I put uh, July 4th as a sort of a soft deadline for when they should at least be rounding the corner on a candidate if not have one hired. So we'll see when they, when they make this decision. That would give them my my artificial fake deadline of 18 days to you know interview and hire someone. So we'll see what they do. As always, you can follow this podcast at Lockdown Pacers. Me at Freeman of 5 and Coast, 20 to Teased NBA. That is all for his Lockdown Pacers podcast. We'll see you guys again tomorrow.